This is Burton Chawla, and you're listening to the Black Box Podcast. There are certainly many people that want to get into our field. Two rules. One, network your ass off. And two, don't be an asshole. This is the Black Box Podcast, a conversation with executives in the sports, music, media, and entertainment world. On this episode, we have the VP of Scouting for the Denver Nuggets, Jim Klibanoff, a friend of a friend. Jim, thanks for doing this. You got it, Burton. I, I feel like I've made it. I made it to the pinnacle. I'm on the Black Box Podcast. You made it to the pinnacle of life or your career? Both. Both. Simultaneously. Tell me, I know you, so newly promoted VP of Scouting? Yeah, that, 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 that went down uh, within the last couple of months. Oh, congrats. Tell me what that means. What is your job? I mean, theoretically, anybody who follows sports or follows basketball uh, knows what a scout does, right? There's even been scripted movies about it, right? Uh, Trouble with the curve or whatever. Tell me exactly what you do. Try to try to give me like an insight on like your not just day to day, but your overall scope of work. The scouting field encompasses so much. It's not just looking at college basketball players. It's supervising. It's championing everything affiliated with evaluation of players. But we're a small front office with the Nuggets. So even though I wear that hat, I'll integrate and interface with the front office. Decisions are made all the time concerning personnel. Do you want to bring this guy in? Do you want to trade for this guy? Do you extend this player as a free agent? So it's being in charge of college basketball. There's NBA scouting. There's international scouting. There's the G League. There's high school. So it's being in charge of that entire operation of our front office. But again, it's not, you know, Tim Connolly, our team president, wants us to help out in all different areas. So it's not just the tight scouting department that is kept separate from everyone else. He integrates everything really well. He'll ask, you know, what do you think about this guy? Or you know, t- Tim's terrific. So like he's going to scout a game with us this weekend. So, you, you know, you wear he's one. He's scouting sp- with you. So yeah, the GM's yeah. scouting with you. Got yeah, it. He'll do that. So you wear one hat, but it's integrated with every other facet of the front office because we are pretty small. I've been around the league for a long time. I mean, personally and professionally, right? So one thing that's, triggered that's new to me i guess i should have known this but didn't teams are scouting other nba teams not just scouting against them but scouting their players is that like a new thing nah, or nah, it's nah, been nah. going on like like i'm watching player x because he's going to be a free agent next year right like that's a thing it's not just i'm watching team y because we got to play them in a week it's it's you're also evaluating a guy that could be one's called advanced scouting that's getting the calls that's getting the personnel of your upcoming opponent or maybe two opponents down the road so you gather that intel the advanced scout so like let's expand on that a little bit so advanced scout he or she is at the game and they're learning the calls and the plays of that team yes and then saying to the coaching staff here here's a report on like what these guys like to run correct that verbal call literally means this, yes. right? Okay, yep. got it. And then you have a personnel scout, someone who's there to evaluate the individual players. And also there's, I call it the, the pre-game cocktail party, if you will, where there is a personnel scout from, let's say, seven different teams. And you're all interacting, discussing players, what you think about this guy on the court who's there. It's sort of a, a taboo, a caveat, I should say. I'm not going to, let's say you work for Team X, I work for Team Y. Burton, yo, what's going on, man? Haven't seen in a while. Tell me about your power forward who just got suspended for something. What's that all about? You don't want to ask someone to share the information of their own franchise. But hey, Burton, that guy you guys traded away last year, is he a good dude off the court? I remember he went into that slump. What was that all about? Burton, tell me how coachable that guy is. Or someone you know from the other staff. 
hey, tell me about that guy that you just parted ways with in free agency. Burton, I work with my G League guys. I want to know about some guys who could be available for the G League. You guys cut that dude in summer league. Tell me about that guy. So it's this pregame cocktail party where you're gathering intel. I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, we met through a mutual friend who's a scout for another team. And obviously you have a friendship with this person, but you're competing at the same time. So, like, how's that dynamic I'm not going to ask him about his specific players, but perhaps he knows something that can be helpful to Is me. Is that an unwritten rule? Or, or yeah, could, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like— you cross that line sometimes? Like, no, if no, you're close you, with someone, you, you're like— No, hey. really, you, you try not to. No, you don't. Okay, okay. So— and, and the more well-connected you are, the more you can access that information. It might take you two other phone calls, but you're still going to try to get to the bottom of that. And I'm, and I'm getting the sense that every day is not the same for you, whether it's like I'm on the road to watch these kids play or I'm watching certain film or to your point, like you're managing people. It's not it's not a I don't think you could take me into a day of your life. Can you or no, if you it's, can, it's, it's like it's almost like surfing the web. I'll start the day with one phone call and then I'll see a player get traded and I'll be tasked with trying to find out more information about that player. I'm going to scout a game on Saturday and I find out a player's not playing. In that game, I got to text an assistant coach on that program to find out why that dude's not playing. Okay. In the evening, I'll want to watch the Nuggets play. Or even if I'm scouting a college game and the Nuggets are playing simultaneously, I may have that game on my phone. Before I worked for the Nuggets, I could never understand why scouts couldn't dissociate themselves from their team. But when you have a vested interest in your team's playing, you pretty much want to know what's going on. So right, it's, it's right. almost you know multitasking at a game. Right. At a college yeah, game. Smitty's actually kind of walked me through that Who? as well. Uh, our mutual friend. Oh, there we a, go. Friend, a friend <laughs> we of a friend. Is that right? where we can edit that thing out? Why? Why do we have to edit <laughs> oh, it out? That's fine. It's, it's, an, it's an alias anyway. Uh, it's probably in your phone uh, as right. something as else. Smitty, yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, okay. How did you get here? How did you – I know you didn't take – I don't like words like unconventional because what's conventional? But do I you look you, at me and know I'm not a player, a former player? Yes, obviously. What do you mean? I couldn't have been a scrappy point guard, a little guy? Uh, you could have, could right? Have. Because I was. Um, <sighs> but no, I, I don't necessarily say to myself, oh, this guy played a high-level Division One." But even that doesn't matter, right? Like, I know there's different routes to get I, into oh, this I agree. business, I mean, right? some people say just because they played the game doesn't automatically give them carte blanche into this field. Sure. So, no, I, I never played. Right. The secret's right, out. Right. The secret's out. And I, I don't know the full timeline of your career but again not using words like conventional or unconventional but it wasn't maybe uh hey i worked for team x then i worked for team y and then i got this vp of scouting job with the nuggets give me a little bit of insight of how you got here tell me about the path but don't start from when I, you were born give how me about, like how about an 88 what happened in 88 temple university had a really good college team i was a junior in college that year i happened to have cable in my own room which is insane in 1988. Insane in 1988. Yeah. I went to Tufts University outside Boston. Yep. So the Atlantic 10 had a package on my cable programming. I got to watch a lot of Temple games. This is when, you knew Mark Macon was? Yeah, yeah. I remember him. Okay. Yep. So this was the 87 to 88 season. Macon was really good. Temple rose, I believe, to number one in the country. And I was a big Temple fan. Okay. So that cultivated my interest in college basketball. Then that summer, I worked in a league called the USBL, United States Basketball League. It was a pro summer league. I also did that in the summer of 1991. I graduated college in 89. And what are you doing for these like summer I, leagues? I, great question. I did game day operations in 88, okay. selling tickets, organizing promotional activities, just to be around the game. Because yep. as a fan, uh, you know, I, I see Tim Legler playing, like, wow, that's legs. Then in 1991, 
I was a player personnel director in the USBL. A new team returned, and I was basically the only one to talk to this team about working for next to nothing in the talent evaluation field. Everyone else wanted to do PR, coaching. Is that is that the light bulb that was like, I want to do talent evaluation it, it at was. that moment? It, okay, yeah, got it. Yeah, it was. So back in the day, I would get the Philadelphia Daily News and pour over box scores, you know, just looking at that visually, tangibly, holding a newspaper. You know, obviously people are like, what does that mean? I mean, just go on the internet. The internet didn't exist. So I just, I naturally gravitated towards that, if you want to call it precursor to analytics. I was just looking at the numbers and just became a huge fan of the game and trying to see, is there another angle to being a fan, something I could go a step further. Okay. So then I became the player personnel director of the Philadelphia Spirit. In 1991. Why are you laughing? Tell me it's why just, you're laughing right now. It's just awesome because there's probably a 0% chance there's an audience member that knows who the Philadelphia Spirit is. That is so is. sobering I, right now. Well, I'll tell you this. I was so, I mean, we're relatively the same age. I was a ball boy for the Albany Patroons for, for one game. <laughs> when George Carl was the coach? No, when Phil Jackson was okay. the coach. <laughs> like, if you give it, Mario Ellie was the best player. Like, sure. it was one of those teams. So, anyways, continue your second. Wait, let me, can, I, can I do a side tangent? Quick yeah, of course. Story? Talk about a sobering moment. I did, before the G League, it was the D League. And there was yeah, a show. This is just the, when you talk about audiences and G these stands small- for Gatorade, right? That's a Correct. title sponsorship. Go ahead. Right. So it was called like This Week in the D League. So I do this show and I'm so excited. I'm in the studio, kind of like I'm excited right now to Where, be was in here. on NBA TV? Where it was on NBA live? TV, okay, right? And it was like on a Friday night right after TNT had a game. I'm so excited. I'm on what I call national TV. It's on my direct TV. Yeah. People have it on their cable. Sure. So I try to pinpoint a number. I'm thinking like, there's a million people watching this. I say to them, <laughs> in my mind, if I'll go 250,000, I'll be super psyched. I get them to give me a number. They're really avoiding answering my question. Of course. Guys, like, maybe there's 10,000 people watching. It was so sobering. So you think we'll get at least 10,000 on this, listening to this? Um, if I had 10,000 listeners because of you or because I was doing a show, I, I would have a title sponsor by now. So, okay, so it so could happen. It could happen. Okay, I'll, cool. If it happens, I take you to dinner. How about I, that? I've right. completely <laughs> sidetracked this. What were we just talking about? <laughs> so you oh, said no, Philadelphia, nobody Spirit. Philadelphia Spirit. Yeah, so right. what happens after that, right? right? Okay, so that was 91. That's where I started to cultivate my relationships. I call NBA front office people, scouting directors, and that's where I make these first the introductions. I'm Jim Klibanoff. I'm with the uh, Philadelphia Spirit. Michael Anderson's on our team. Tim Legler's on our team. Paul Snoop Graham's on our team. Dallas Con- that you know, older people Wait, know hold on, these but names. This is USBL in 1991. Summer league, though, yes, right? Yes. So, like, yep. is Legs playing in the league and then doing this? No, in the he had summer? been cut already. Oh, got he it. was doing this. Got it. When he was trying to get back into got the it, league. Got it. Got it. So we had a really good team. We win the championship. I come back and the team goes out of business for whatever reason. Yep. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. I ended up. They stayed, and I went to work for a different team in New Jersey called the Jersey Jammers. Okay. This was while I was in law school. Okay. Cool. So I'm able to. to Where did you go to law school? I didn't. Temple know. Law School. Okay. Got it. Philadelphia guy. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Okay. So you can do two things simultaneously. And that's just where I I kept building. Some people can, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. This is where I I continued to build these relationships. And this was before you could text people and email them. This was the days of voicemail and faxes, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I did that. And at the same time, I was also doing some work representing players, primarily sending them overseas. Okay. Continued to do that. 
uh, while I was in law school. And then in the, it was probably 94, I worked with something called the Leventhal NBA Draft Report. Okay. Which is a guy named Don Leventhal, since deceased, who ran as the, like for the general masses. Okay. Like it, it was pretty comprehensive. It's really where I started to cut my teeth on evaluating players in a formal capacity, written reports, etc. But it's, it's consumer subscri- is it subscription, yes. right? Yes. Yep. So it's like Joe Schmo. It could be GM Joe Schmo, but it could be just me, Joe Schmo, right? Both. Yes, okay, exactly. Yeah. Both okay. Joe Schmoes. Got it. All the Joe Schmoes. Yeah. Right. Okay. And this is pre um, all those. This is pre Draft Express. Pre- oh my F- god! Are you kidding me? Right, no, right, none okay. of this stuff was out there. Okay. Cool. No. So you know, I work with Don Leventhal in his scouting service for several years. He passes away. Then I joined forces with a fellow named Eric Chapman, who had a minor league evaluation service. NBA teams would subscribe to his materials, and he would look at college players for 10-day contracts. Guys that were playing in the CBA, the Albany Patroons, okay. the Grand Rapids Mackers, whatever. So what year is this now? This was roughly 98, 99. Okay, got it. So 99. So then what we do is jointly offer a college component to his uh, minor league evaluation. And that's what service. you're handling. You're handling so college stuff. Exactly. Got he it. and okay. I do that. So what's He's the service called at this point? Chapman Report College okay. Edition. Got it. Got it. So we do that for about three years. Then Same Eric- thing though, right? Like subscription based, right? Yes. You want this newsletter? But, yeah, but this isn't Joe Schmo. This is the only NBA teams. Okay, so NBA teams we are We cut pay- off Joe Schmo. So NBA teams are paying you a fee for this evaluation, and it's basically a, a series of reports on different players, Precisely. Right? Rankings, okay. statistical how analysis. Get, how do you get NBA teams to say, I want to pay for this Eric service? Eric Chapman worked for a CBA team. Okay. So he knew all those front office people. Okay, so he's got instant credibility with them. Here's a service. I mean, we're still talking late 1990s, early 2000s, where like it's not like a fully evolved front office where they want to be paying for stuff, I'm guessing. Right? There's, there's, but there's, there's still a little bit of salesmanship that has to go into this, there right? There is, but Eric is, was a grinder. Okay. And, and, and people respected, you know, even before he had the service, they would call him and ask him what he thought about certain got players it. in, in the, the uh, is, is it, CBA. So from a financial... So I'm screwed because it was CBA, then D-League, then G-League. Right, so, right, but it, it right, is the official right. minor. Is there like I'm saying that there's some salesmanship here. You don't have to give me the full financials, but like, what is there? Is this a hard thing for a GM to say yes to or no? If the, the it's within or, reason, if like organization, it is. If the organization has an institutional bias against that, the, the typical what you had to go against was we have our own scouts. Why would we pay right, you? Right, right, exactly. Especially or, in 2000, it's different now. Now it's like I, 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 the the mentality almost is like let me get as much intel as possible, including analytics, including this report, and then I'll figure out what works and what doesn't. Correct, right? but certain organizations historically, you, you just. You know, because when I had my own service, I would butt head. Not that I would butt heads, but it'd be like going against a stone wall. Right. They're not going to say yes. Right. Right. So you would essentially what you would hope for was that. It's weird saying this, but that there would be a turnover in the front office, and new GM would be installed. And you're like, oh, that's my guy. I got a better chance right. with that team because right. I know that guy. Right. Right. Or even as simple as mentality changes. I want all the intel. Okay. So then you do that. I did that with Chapman. He went back to just doing the minor league evaluation, okay. and I went and just did. Clib hoops. Okay. You know how I got the name? Uh, I can kind of figure it out. That's fine. Yeah, okay. So, and I, I did that. I can put one and one together, together and get... three. Yeah, yeah, I got it. It's from 03 to 13. For 10 years, I did clib hoops. 03 to 13. Got it. Okay. Uh, and then same thing, subscription based. Correct. Okay, got it. Yep. What's the differentiating between while you were doing Clib Hoops and what Gavoni was doing with Draft Express? What's the difference? Uh, th- there were a lot of similarities. Okay. Yes, I mean his was. I I think Jonathan has done very well to distribute to the masses. I tried to make mine perhaps more technically 
um, not technically accessible, digestible by NBA front office Got people. It. Okay, so you're doing this for ten years, and what happens? Someone from the Nugget, you you obviously have relationships with these people because you're selling them your service, right? What happens next? Conley gets a hold of you. Says I, I've known Tim Conley and Arturis Karnashovas for many, many years. Right. And so they like I, what you're I, doing. Listen, they, when okay. I had my scouting service and I would deliver my final draft guide to people, I would say, love what I'm doing. Totally true. Yep. But also open to the fact if anything uh, ever emerges with the organization. Okay. I had a couple flirtations with other teams as far as a position. But this was the first time, you know, something real concrete came across. They asked me to be the director of scouting in 2013. Life goals, career goals, I would think uh, evolve. But when you were doing the scouting service, were you like, oh, I hope I'm at a team one day? Or were you like really fulfilled with the actual service itself? But you're self-employed. You're traveling all around. It's your own baby. You make the final decision yourself. There's a feeling of autonomy. I really like that. Yes. But I wanted some different challenges. And I said to myself, I could do this till I'm 75 or 80 years old. Say, I did this for 40 years, man. And and just have that sense of accomplishment. Or maybe there's something else on the other side. Let me me see what this is all about. And it's been an incredibly rewarding challenge so working for a team. So 13 feels like, okay, the internet's pretty, like, everyone's on the internet. Oh, and by the way, I I tried, this was right around when everyone had, you know, your website is is your business card, it's everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really didn't do that much. I didn't have a website that people really went to. So, so much of this was email, PDFs, and stuff that got, you Yeah, know. but I guess you weren't trying to get a person like me to go to your website. You were trying to do a a service for GMs. Like your audience. That is correct. That's your right. audience that, that's and customer was 30, it was 30 people. It that's, wasn't yes. 30, I, I, 30 million, right? And I also right? serviced international organizations and some overseas teams. But you're absolutely right. I mean, oh, yeah, Draft Express sense. does a great job. You log on there and as, as a consumer, as a, a Joe yeah. Schmo, a, a huge I want to talk about the draft with my friends, yeah, all yes. this stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah but but yeah. their stuff's very valuable for us as well. So from 3 to 13 Clip Hoops, did you have more international clients did you have like team because there's a lot more teams overseas who are probably employing a lot the, more the NBA was kids. my bread and butter but i okay. had international i had like a federation i had a team i had uh, you know in the, the dominican republic in france uh in, in russia etc so 03 to 13 here's what's going on in that time period so yes there's websites but not everybody has a smartphone at that time now everyone has a smartphone right you're 13 years old you have a smartphone but not everybody in 03 had a smartphone i would argue not everybody in 06 had a smartphone yet right um explosion of social media uh all international basketball was getting bigger at that time right cuz think about it 03 is yao ming but it's not like, and obviously dirk was 99 or whatever year he was like but it's not like it is now where scouts are scouring the earth to find guys right yeah, like, it's different man i mean there were hidden gems i remember this was like now nah, that's going back too far but i was going to say i remember a player from canada was drafted off a videotape but you know you could it's not that you were even hiding a player but you had to go on word of mouth dude we went from vhs tapes yeah you had to have those sent to you to dvds which was you know, like, oh, wow, the cost of sending videos is much less expensive now that we can send like seven DVDs <laughs> at once. This You're is awesome. It only yourself. takes four days to get to right, right. to France for this kind of stuff. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, my God, you can download this? Like when Napster came in? Right, you right. know what Napster was? Yeah, of course. It's the greatest thing ever, right? right? I remember with Napster, I could queue up 11 songs, go to sleep, and those 11 songs were there in the morning. That was the greatest <laughs> thing ever. Then you get cable modems, and then you get video footage that can be sent over the internet quickly. Right. And then you get the explosion of the highlight videos, and then you can have an entire game downloaded. Now it's streamable. So, like, yeah, so, it, so look, tech, you have tech, access I'm, to so many more players. You don't have to leave your 
desk. You don't have to leave your bed. Right. So, so here's what I was going to ask. And you and I touched on it a little bit today when we talked. But with all of that access and the advancement in tech, why? Why do you need to? You're, you're in New York City right now going to scout a basketball game. I, you know, you, I, I know what your plans are later. Why do you need to? Like, why not just watch it? Like, why, why is... Why is the tech not helping the efficiencies for your work? Why do you need to be in the gym? I don't want to sound corny, but there's no substitute for human interaction. And that means seeing a player's body language on the court. Seeing people, as I told you, the pregame cocktail party. Burton, you're there with Team X. I'm there with Team Y. You and I are sitting next to each other, working for two different franchises. Hey, Burton, man, you think that guy could play small forward at the NBA level? You're like, man, I never thought of that. Just, Just that rapport. And and connectivity to coaches that are there. Yeah, it's not it, the game is not two dimensional. It's not even three dimensional. You need to dig deeper and get to the intel how, on certain players. How often is that? I mean, I don't want to sound corny back. How often is that intel actually helpful? Oh my god, are you serious? Yeah, I'm, I'm dead. Look serious. at my face. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> no on. man, it really is. Okay. I mean, you want to see how a player reacts to adversity. If you're the number one pick in the draft, there's going to be a lot of difficulty saying that guy should be knocked off that pedestal because he's got some jerk tendencies. I get that. Okay. But if you're going to go take a guy who's ranked seventh on your board and take him third, because of some of that could be because of positive intel. It could be because of how you project how he's going to interface with your organization. The ability to understand how to compromise certain elements of your game for the betterment of a team. You're like, okay, we need a score. Do you want a selfish score or a guy who understands how he fits in? And so much of that can be. That picture can be painted through many sources, one being you sitting next to me at a game, one being talking to his guidance counselor from high school, who was also his JV coach. One might be talking to a player who came to minicamp with us, who was teammates with him in AAU. All that intel. Yes, you know, it's kind of like picking stocks, man. Like I could say, Burton, give me a good stock. And you're like, okay, you know, IBM, just because you own it and because you think it's going to go up and you've done well with it, right? So it's just very linear, your recommendation to me. Then I can talk to my broker and he says, hey, man, buy IBM because I have all these charts right here. And you're like, okay. Same- I like how you did a specific voice for a broker. I, I have a voice yeah, for you too, yeah, but I'll use it. that later. So, but it's just, you know, how do you get to that answer? Similarly with players. Burton, you You've, you've told me players that you like before, right? Yeah, I am. And I value your opinion, but I value other people's opinions similarly. But you're like, hey, man, I like this guy. I think he can do this. Like, okay, I'll keep that in the back of my mind. You're not hired by an NBA team, but you're a bright guy. You've been around the game. That's one voice. And, you know, that's at the end of the day, a front office executive, a chief decision maker has to bring all this into one and make that final decision. Okay. okay. You, you, Did you, you buy me? You buy this on this? You so know, I was going to use the word you sold me on it. So I would say this. I, yes, I do buy this. And I've, I've talked about this with other scouts. I just... For me, for me, for me, very, very specific, Burton K. Chawala. Like, I think I could be efficient if I had multiple TVs and multiple cable packages. Everyone can see that, Burton. Everyone can see the same stuff that you see. Granted, it's the difference between reporting on what you see now and projecting ahead. Right, right. It's still a projection. I'm still taking a player X and saying, this is what I think about him. You don't have the full complement of of viewpoints if you don't don't know about the kid as a person. I I don't. I guess uh, what I'm saying is... Or, or not saying, I'm trying to understand the value of the other viewpoints of being in the gym. I hear you. I'm not disagreeing with you. There's a human element to this. You're right. I just don't always take that into account. When, when, when four sources tell you the kid's a questionable guy and you see in a game, he makes a face, you see him 
But sometimes it goes – so let's be really 100 about this, and, and we don't have to get into the specifics. Sometimes a guy gets tagged as X, and the four sources are saying, yes, he's X. He's, he's, he's not a hard worker. He's going to shy away from the moment. And then they're completely wrong because the reality is you're psychoanalyzing another human being, and you're not a psychoanalyst or a doctor. Like there, there's a level of like even your sources can be wrong is my point, and it steers you in the wrong direction. Well, I is, think that, the, the, is that a fair human response? Response to that? If you have seven different people and there's relative unanimity amongst them, it's pretty rare that you see a guy go the complete opposite direction. And in painting your pictures of the projection, it's it's almost a likelihood situation. How likely is it that he's going to go, you know, a one eighty? And how likely is it that those seven guys were right? I mean, it's an educated guess. At I the get end it. Of the More day. intel and, helps. I and, get it. And also, how confident are you in your organization? Right. Are you a good? And, and I don't want to sound corny using this overused trite term. The culture of your organization. You know, maybe your team can do a better job yeah. with that guy if he's a bit of a wayward soul. Right. Okay. Fair enough. I, we went down that rabbit hole. I think we agreed that there are multiple ways to do this. Maybe, or maybe we completely disagree. Um, okay. So. Your your career, very, very interesting on how you got here. Your approach to it, very, very interesting. I imagine there are young scouts, young front office people, whether, you know, you meet them in Summer League or you meet them at these different events, you know, G League Showcase or, what, or, or, or at a college basketball game. What are some of the things, first of all, do you take people under your wing and sort of mentor them? And even if it's not an official mentorship or, or, or continual mentorship, what are some of like one or two things that you think are ten pole sort of take this approach? What, like what's advice you give people? There was somebody who works for the National Basketball Association during an all-star weekend. We had this conversation because there are certainly many people that want to get into our field. Yeah. I, I'd say the same thing for you. There are yeah. people who want to get into media. Right. Two rules. One – Network your ass off, and two, don't be an asshole. Okay, so the I want to talk about both of those. So, so the networking your ass off, which you know a lot of guests on this show say that. Explain what that means to you as far as networking, because it, it, there's it, different like ways. But to also, network. those two are inter- intertwined. Because sure. if you're an asshole, and maybe it's an iteration of an asshole. Let's say you're not authentic. I got a recent reach out from somebody that someone else got a similar one, and they said, "Oh, this guy's he doesn't have great people skills." Okay. So it's hard if you're trying to network and you have poor people skills yeah. or if you're seen as somebody who's got an ulterior motive. Nah, man, everyone has an ulterior motive. It's not an ulterior motive. They, they want to get involved in it. Just your approach to it. You know, I could say to people, hey, man, be yourself. But if yourself's an asshole, then I'm like, yeah. that's the wrong. The be yourself is actually a piece of advice I give to a lot of people, but I don't take someone under my wing that I don't already like. So I think you have to be liked. I mean, you're not going to bring someone under your wing because they're incredibly intelligent, but they're not fun to be around. Right, right. I mean, you know, Tim Connolly always says we spend so much time together, you know, more, sometimes more than the time you spend with your family. You got to make sure you get along. Right. And, and I agree with that. So, again, networking, make it be known what you want to do. But I don't want someone to hit me up like, hey, man, I really nailed it on the last seven lottery picks. I had all those. I mean, you know, tell me the guy who you really touted who was the 53rd pick in the draft who made it. Tell me, let me see your Nikola Jokic, Monte Morris scouting reports that talk about those. So I'd almost say somebody wanting to get into it, you know, make sure you've got a, a grasp of the non-no-brainer. Of, of the problems, like things you need to use your brain or your skills to to unearth why that guy's going to succeed. It's pretty easy to tell me like the sixth pick in the draft is going to be good. 
Yeah. It's hard. Networking in general is hard for people who are trying to get a job because, like you said, like you don't want to come off as an ulterior – like, you know, look, I'm not hiring anybody in a front office, but I go to Summer League every year. And every time someone's like talking to me about them trying to get a job, I'm, I'm like trying to move away from you. I'm like, uh, I'm just trying to have a glass of wine here. I'm not trying to have this conversation. So that part – like that's why I asked you to expound on it because I think that's – I think for young people it's hard, right? Because like the 24-year-old that's Lucky enough to be in the room with people that can employ him or her is saying, I got to take a shot here. I got to take a shot. And having that balance of taking a shot and um, being annoying is hard. And I, so, and then when you say to someone, hey, man, stay in touch. And then like you get seven texts from the right. night. You're like, oh, shit. Should I have told him something right. differently? Almost, that, that, I was going to go there with that. My advice would be like in that very specific case, like make sure that the person actually knows your name like shake hands look Mm -hmm. them in the eye and get their information and that's it jim you're not at a event in that moment gonna hire someone anyways and so like that young person and i say this to them be yourself but don't be annoying because put yourself in that that person's shoes they don't want you texting them 10 times over the next three days about a job you want one day like they're not looking to hire right now anyways but it's hard i get it i you know i was young and you know aspirational and I all mean those it's things. it's it's a little bit easier if the person has a shred of what I want right now meaning the aspiring scout was a manager and can give me an intel report sure. on a certain player I got it. or he's got something to offer yeah so it's yep. almost like dig down and, and figure out what that happens to be you know may, maybe be some type of resource you're, you're a student at a school and they've got a prospect coming along in the next couple of years you know someone who knows him you, you find a way to make yourself not indispensable in but just of value other right. than just a really good dude yeah that's good that's good advice make yourself of value okay um what do you you've been around you did many different things. You've seen the advancement. You talked about it specifically, the advancement of technology. What's your thought about where – what's new? What's on the horizon for the basketball scouting world, the NBA basketball scouting world? Is tech going to change? Like what, what do you think the future holds as a change in the industry or is there one on the horizon? You know, again, I that that just progression from VHS tape to download speed. You know, it, it's funny people talk about. You know, shouldn't you have a lot more time on your hands because everything's so much more rapid now? But we find other ways to occupy ourselves. I, I think it's just it's greater coverage because we have more time. You, you know, on synergy right now, they, I didn't have synergy. You know, what synergy? No, is? explain synergy. I I have a vague understanding of it, but explain it. it it's a, a basically a, a database of clips and games that are played throughout the world at every different level that are coded such where you could say, I want to watch the Notre Dame-Texas A&M game. You can watch the full two hours. I want so to- you, can, you just go in the search bar, blah, 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 yes. and then you get whatever you need. Yes, okay. okay. That's what you see. So that'll take and you- And that's a subscription base? Like, yes. how, how do you get access to that? Yeah, subscription Can I base. get access to that, or it's just like- yeah. I, I mean, most it's mostly organizations, teams, et cetera. I'm not sure what they do for the general public. Got it. But listen, so, okay, you can watch that game, and that'll be, let's say, they'll cut the commercial out it'll be condensed to 85 minutes okay now you will just want to watch one player from that game you can click on that player and say show me his possessions in that game so that shrinks it down to 14 minutes or whatever it happens to be or you could say i want to see is it the broadcast uh do you hear the play-by-play too or it's just the game both okay got it yeah or you could say, show me that one player's pick and roll plays from every game in which his team was the home team 
in games, you know, in the last eight minutes of the game. It becomes coded so specifically. Interesting. Just, you know, you could say just catch and shoot three pointers just on that one player. So everything has made it so much easier for us to harness our, our manpower around evaluating players. So I'm not answering your, spe- your question You're specifically. You're not, but that was in, in, informational. But go ahead. Insightful. I think now more people have such easy access to so much information. It's almost, it's not that it's information overload. Now I get stuck between, it, it becomes a personal prioritization where do I watch, like you said to me, you know, no one day is specific. I can't really bring you into what one day I look like, but I might start watching one player and get so consumed by him that I'm uh, I'm just digesting all this video information to the exclusion of watching three other guys that day because there's so much information available. So it may be information overload that's that's bogging us down. And at the end of the day, you know, do we need to watch those same clips four times or do we want to spend more time? So I think it's more it's being efficient with the resources that are at your disposal. You know, the blow up of analytics, et cetera. Don't go too much information overload with the analytics. It's properly balancing everything that's in front of you. And like I said before, you know, the final decision maker has to put this all into a big cauldron, stir it up and make that final decision. You know, he doesn't want to be overwhelmed with too much information. Right. And it can really happen. Because Are there it's softwares so easily out there currently that like can like take a lot of this and organize it? Is that like is that a thing that you – do you guys look into the tech and the software? Is that part of your job to be like, are there new things on the horizon? It is. Yeah, yeah. we have one guy specifically. He's able to look at it that way. He used to work in finance. He looks at it, it from that bird's eye view, and it really helps the rest of our organization. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, I appreciate the time. You were done? I mean, we could go as long as you want. Nah, um, no, no, no. <laughs> I could always have you back on. my glasses off. That was I, big time. I, I, I could always have you back on. We could always- uh, Yeah, lo- you say that to everyone, Bert. We, we, no, I definitely do not say that to everyone. <laughs> they're, they're, um, we could always launch your podcast, I, friend um, of a friend, yes. right? Do it that way. I, I could be a guest on your podcast whenever that launches. But it's always nice talking to you. You're a very interesting and energetic guy. I'm glad yeah. we are friends of friends. My man. The Black Box Podcast is not possible without the team. The show is produced by Gotham Podcast Studios in New York City. Special shout out to Raul Hernandez. Creative Director, Alana Rodriguez. Video Editor, Paul Aspen. Music by Ye Ali. All photos by Jonathan Gabriel Charles. Designed by Lineage Digital. <laughs>